Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, hi. We're going to start the podcast here in just one second. But first, I know a lot of you like listening to podcasts. Duh. But here's the problem. There are now over a million podcasts out there to choose from. So you have to pick the very best. And for progressives, after my own podcast, of course, there's no better podcast out there than the Bill Press Pod by our old friend Bill Press. Yeah, Bill Press is still at it, fighting for all the good progressive causes, telling the truth about the worst president in our history, and bringing us his podcast twice a week. Every Tuesday, Bill interviews a leading progressive, like this week, Congressman Tim Ryan, plugging hazard pay for nurses, doctors, paramedics, and others who stay on the job, putting their lives at risk every day. And every Friday, Bill assembles three top Washington reporters to look back on the big stories of the week and expose the latest lies of Donald Trump. As a progressive, the Bill Press Pod is all you need to stay informed, outraged, and engaged. So join me in subscribing to Bill's new podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts, Search for the Bill Press Pod, click on subscribe, and tell your friends to do the same. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, May 13, 2020, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Today, the great Ed Feldman, fresh out of Facebook jail, returns to the show. You might know Ed as one half of the Furniture Guys and their series Furniture to Go on TLC, and before that, Furniture on the Mend on PBS back in the 1990s. And currently, Ed and his co-conspirator, Joe Lorario, are the hosts of the old Furniture Guys on YouTube and at thefurnitureguys.tv. Today we're going to talk about whatever the hell Ed wants to talk about, because he's got some opinions on some things. Meanwhile, if you like what you hear, please help support this show by subscribing to our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow. All right, hang on tight. Here comes Ed Feldman. Hello? Fern Guy Ed. It's Bob Seska. How are you? Hiya, Bob. How are you? All things considered, I haven't succumbed to the coronavirus yet, so I guess in that respect, I'm okay. How about you? I'm hailing hearty and doing what I've been doing, which is sitting in a chair and looking at a really big screen. <laughs> See, you and everyone else, literally. So let's get this out of the way. First things first, you're Joe-less today, which makes you guys even Steven, because Joe was on my show by himself back in 1995, and now it's your turn. But knowing Joe as you do, Ed... 
Are you sure he isn't going to send someone to my house to break my kneecaps with a lead pipe? He's livid. Absolutely <laughs> livid. No, I told him all about it. He says, fine, we'll go on together another time. Okay, good. So Besides, he did- he's one of the few people who is working, has been working all through this. Right. In uh, his uh, refinishing shop with one other guy, and they wear, regardless of uh, uh, coronavirus, and 95 masks all day anyway. That's right. So That's right. he's one of the guy. Well, you know, he and I have a kind of strange symmetry. He's used to wearing an N95 mask at work all day. And I'm used to sitting around on my ass. <laughs> yeah. It so was just, neither it was, of us are, are being affected by this at all. It was like one of those episodes that you guys would do where it was purely like a refinishing job. And he was doing like a lot of the work and you got to just stand behind him commenting on everything that he's doing. I would much rather have your job in one of those episodes, quite frankly. Me too. But then there are times when I have to upholster and God, I hate that. <laughs> yes, that's right. As, as we could all tell by watching the show, how much you hated upholstery, given the fact that you were, you know, the upholstery guy. <laughs> well, in uh, our former lives before the fabulous world of uh, unemployed television stars, yeah. We we did all that kind of work, and I refinished and repaired wooden furniture as well mm-hmm. as upholstery. Yeah. But if I'm a four, and wood, he's a ten. So there was no there was no argument about who would do what. Uh, and of course, I did upholstery in those days as well, and he had never done that. So that's how we kind of divvied it up because he's just a master at everything wood. Yeah. And And I'm good enough at everything else. I always wondered, did you guys ever staple gun yourselves when you're working on a tax strip or something like that? Did that ever happen in the course of the show? Honestly, no. I have never staple gunned myself. (laughs) Those things are are pretty idiot proof. Yeah. uh, Because they've got a they've got um, a little defeat switch on the front where if you're not pressing down mm-hmm. into something hard yeah. you can't shoot the staple it's in the olden days they didn't have those things you could shoot staples at your friends across the room <laughs> but now you gotta you gotta depress it and you would literally be trying to get yourself okay in the hand gotcha you'd have to push it hard and then pull the trigger let me ask you why did you end up in facebook jail you were in facebook jail for what like a month or something like that what happened Yes. Well, it all started um, years ago when this kid was called Fuckerberg every day at school. Can right. you imagine how that could damage someone? Yeah. A Can you bit. imagine how that would make that person say to themselves, just wait, I'll get them. I'll get them all. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing that happened to Tucker Carlson. That's right. What was he called in school every day of his life? It may look, you want to go Freud, you want to go manager. It's a damage. Yeah. It's a damage thing. Yeah. So when he grew up unloved, obviously, he decided to become, you know, a little king of his fiefdom. Mm -hmm. And now he takes out his shame. And uh, as in the role of collective punisher to the world, yeah. and that's why it happened. But why it? But the non psychological aspect of why it happened is, I went on 
Donald Trump's Facebook. You know, I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm one of his friends. So his uh, Facebook stuff was yeah. up on mine. So when he would say one of the stupid things that he says, which is all of the things all that the he time. says, I would yeah. go on his Facebook and say things like, you know, your whore won't even touch you, things like that, you know, playful things. Right. I have. N- so the first couple of times I was fl- thrown off Facebook, I was thrown off Facebook for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go on Facebook uh, that often. So I didn't know. I didn't try to go on and uh, was unable to do so. So the first four times I was thrown off for 24 hour periods, I had no idea. They don't tell you. Unless you go into some thing that I didn't know how to go into. I'm pretty stupid uh, regarding all that. (laughs) And uh, then I said something where they threw me off for seven days, which I later learned was what happened to you after your fifth offense. But I, since I was unaware about the first four. so again, I, I was never thrown off for anything I said on my Facebook. It was only going on Trump's Facebook. And the fifth or the sixth one, the one that got me 30 days, was actually a, a suggestion from my uh, wonderful lady friend when she said, you know, he's telling everybody to go back to work. Mm-hmm. What about the great phrase, Arbeit macht frei? It's a German phrase, which means work makes you free. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, above the gate at at least one concentration camp. And so since he was saying go back to work, I I saw the uh, five or six different uh, uh, comedic uh, (laughs) aspects of putting Arbeit Mach Frei underneath one of the ranting faces of Trump. Mm Mm-hmm. And that got me 30 days. The irony, of course, is his protesters are using those same words as they stand outside uh, state houses and Applebee's. Yeah. Facebook is a sewer. It's a slag heap of awfulness uh, most of the time. And it doesn't matter whether you're saying something offensive to Trump or whether I mean, I've heard of people who have been uh, put in Facebook jail just for using the phrase white trash. And not even in the context of white trash, in the context of talking about literally trash bags. I bought a pack of white trash bags and they were put in Facebook jail because of this stupid, stupid fucking algorithm that Facebook has been using. Anything but posting pictures of your food, post anything else, you're going to be screwed. At Facebook's highest aspiration and usefulness, it is a supermarket bulletin board. Well, and it's but also the rest of it is a toilet wall. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, I kind of a toilet wall. I kind of look at it like Mark Zuckerberg's personal ant farm, where he's developed this almost sociological experiment for himself, where he's created this platform. Everybody's using this platform, and then every once in a while, he'll just grab that platform and shake it up like an ant farm, just to see all the ants scramble. Like, what? Oh, this is so much fun, seeing all the people running around trying to figure out what the hell's going on. It's a huge mind screw. It's one big sociological piece of shit. Shit Bob. It's uh, the word you're searching for. Bob, there's a lesson to be learned. Mm -hmm. Don't name your Give your kid a first name that rhymes with anything dirty. And if your last name is Zuckerberg, 
Change it before you have children. Mm-hmm. That's it's right. It's easy to do that. People change their names all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is obvious. Don't burden your children with such a name. It's giving them a handicap. You seem perfectly suited for the shovel fights on Twitter. What's keeping you away from Twitter? Why are you sticking to, to Facebook? Well, I switched over to Twitter when they threw me in Facebook jail. And, of course, Twitter's the Wild West. You can say anything you want. Here's the the irony upon irony, what I started doing every day on Twitter and what I continue to do on the uh, uh, although I'm cutting back a little from the Trump Facebook, but every single day on Trump's Twitter and again on face his Facebook, I say something akin to the following. Hmm. If you love our president, you will trust in his judgment and trust in God. You will go out without a mask. You will congregate freely. Jesus and our president will save you. I've never been banned for that, which is tantamount to sending someone to their death. So that's okay. Yeah. If you can, you are allowed to put that on uh, anything of Trump and even his Facebook feed. And I've never been sanctioned for that. So telling people to, to disregard uh, safety guidelines, trying to get Trumpers to, well, metaphorically pass under that gate. That says Arbeit Mach Fry, that's fine. Why do you, and I suggest everybody do that too. Why do you think the Red Hat cult is taking to the streets now? Why do you think they're trying to go back to bars? They're going back to some sort of level of, of normalcy or at least trying to. Is it because they don't know or is it because they don't care about the ramifications of, of grouping together in big, large crowds in, in restaurants and bars? First, they're following their leader even unto death. It's amazingly classical. We're going for the glory. We're doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He's our leader. Look, if you've got people following a guy who's so obviously a, uh, a a retarded educable, (laughs) if you, if you uh, sort of, you know, we went to the same college. Oh man. I hate to even think about it. Oh, you went to the same Uh, college. You went to the same college as Trump. I went to the University of Pennsylvania. I taught there, too. Wow. But um, I can tell you, when I was an undergrad back in the 70s, people liked Trump. I never saw him on campus. He might have predated me by a couple of Yeah, he's older than I. Yeah. Um, I would have guys like him, frat boy, rich yeah. frat boys, uh, offer to pay me to do their term papers every day. Yeah. And so I- that's the scam he ran. It's not... It's it's a manifold scam, and it's not just like uh, what's her name, Lori Laughlin, mm-hmm. or uh, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, right, right. It, it, this is this is as old as the Ivy League. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, you endow a building; they let you in, and then you're told how to pass. Yeah, you get somebody to do all your work for for you, and people like Trump of his class, even although. Uh, I, I would spell it with a K, uh, would <laughs> would troll the intellectuals, even the ones with hair down to their ass like me, mm-hmm. and and frankly offer to bribe or pay me to do their work. I always refused. I used to pick up a lot of shit at the end of term when they would just dump all their expensive clothing and uh, uh, stereos in front of the 
in front of their um, fraternities, and we just pick it up and walk home with it. Going back to something you mentioned on Facebook um, relating to the old show, you said here on Facebook, if you run into me, ask me about all the bits Joe and I wrote that we kept to ourselves in the file labeled professional suicide. I wrote that down because I, I had to ask you about it. You have to tell me about your professional suicide file, Ed. Uh, I knew you were going to ask this if you read that post. <laughs> yes, of course. I'm going to give you just one. And there are worse ones. Although, is there anything worse than mass murder? No. <laughs> uh, but uh, when you when you touch it with comedy, uh, I, I don't think this is the worst one. Yeah. Joe and I used to come up with uh, sketches or even uh, ideas for other programs. Mm. And one we came up with is a little show called... <gasps> I hope Joe doesn't get mad at me. Eichmann missed them. And this is about, you know, uh, famous uh, people of my religion, of which I'm quite proud, although I think it's uh, a fairy tale like every other religion. Yeah. Um, but culturally, I love us. Um, and these are contemporary Jews that we lament that Eichmann missed them. Mm-hmm. And of course, the founding member of that was, uh, Henry Kissinger. Although now we have Jared Kushner, we have uh, Stephen Miller, so many, so many that unfortunately Eichmann missed them. Now I realize these people weren't alive in those days, but you know, it, it was kind of a fantasy show. Uh, and we were thinking about pitching it. Uh, and I said, well, maybe Fox. And they said, no, and Joe, Joe, you know, Joe's a party pooper sometimes. Right. Uh, although we could probably, you know, run it on the internet right now, and I think that would make us give us a lot of fans. Well, that could be the bit. It's you and Joe pitching that to, to Fox executives, uh, or even better yet, Fox News executives. You could still recycle that for the old furniture guys. And, All and right, just... to get you away from pumping me about other ones, which I am <laughs> probably not going to tell you, I'm going to tell you about a pilot that we really did right. Yeah. And, and we're going to pitch it. And it was about the, uh, the end when, when the end was near with the furniture guys, they made us do another show about home repair called mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Men, Men in tool, tool belts. belts. Oh yep. God. We hated that, but we took the money cause it was more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we did a pilot about guys who were doing a how to show who then pitched it was a pitch about a show where they were pitching the network to do the making of the how-to show that they were always making, that they were already making. Oh, man. Yeah. Sort so of like a- said, now we'll have two shows. We'll have uh, the, uh, the, the regular how-to show and the making of the how-to show. And they, they were, while they were thinking about it, they came up with the idea well, why don't we just um, can't? We were going to cancel your regular show anyway because <laughs> your demographics were yeah. bad. Mm. But we want you to still be doing the making of. Yeah, that's. And we said, well, wait a minute. How can you do a making of a show that you're not making? 
<laughs> that of course that would be the logical response to this idea, right? But you're talking yeah. to television executives who don't necessarily think on that plane of existence. They're all on we, something we else. We wanted to come up with a video uh, amoeba strip. Yeah, and yeah. and that that's what that was. Yeah. Uh, so we were trying to figure that out when they actually did cancel our regular show and wouldn't take our calls anymore. So there you go. See, now that is, I think that is a brilliant idea, quite honestly. I would absolutely watch that show. It'd be like the Larry Sanders show, but with the a how-to uh, format. I think that's a great idea. We tried. Now, now I'm, if I'm there's immense- anything you could do to help us, Bob, or at least do this. <laughs> yes, all of my significant pull with all of the how-to networks, HGTV <laughs> and the like. Uh, you know what? You also posted this on Facebook. If you run into me, ask me about my Woody, Sunyi, and my mom on Mother's Day at the Cafe Carlisle story. <laughs> what is that? Try what is that keep, all about? I, I'll tell you this one. I, I try and keep my Facebook. I, I, don't, uh, I don't read Facebook paragraphs, and very rarely do I uh, write them. Yeah. You want to keep it short because, well, you know, it's a toilet mall. Mm-hmm. So back in the 90s, yeah, I was rich and famous then. My cousin was getting married in New York City, and we went for the weekend, and I got uh, my mom and my uh, then significant other and our daughter and my ex. We all went up there to see the wedding, and it was on Mother's Day weekend. The wedding was on a Saturday night because they, they're orthodox, crazy freaking orthodox. <laughs> Uh, you know, have 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 all the funerals and weddings you want in Brighton Beach, Chassids, because I'm in the real estate speculation market. I'll be around soon. Have all the weddings you want. God will protect you. Honestly, all that black virus can't th- get through that black. Right. All right. Um, I love my people. Uh, so we went there a Saturday night. Sunday was Mother's Day. We went to the Cafe Carlisle for a fabulous brunch. And it's crowded. And remember days when places were crowded? And uh, the, the brunch was amazing. It yeah. was lobster. It was caviar. It was wonderful. And I'm in the line. And there's a uh, young Asian woman right behind me in line. And this was my second time through. It, it sounds Go like ahead. there's an ice cream truck at your house. Are you buying ice cream right now? What's going on? No, it's outside. It's outside. Oh, my. Is it really an ice cream truck outside? Yes, they go by all day. I wish there was an ice cream truck outside my place right now. I ain't touching anything in that ice cream truck, man. <laughs> That's right. You don't want two scoops of COVID on a uh, sugar cone, right? I get Haagen-Dazs and I wipe down the, the containers, man. I'd be like, what is Ed Feldman doing? Is he running an ice cream truck? Is he driving around trying to sell nutty buddies during this plague? Bob, so, uh, yeah. I think we should do a series of these interviews because I would gladly tell you about my my time in the ice cream business that dovetails perfectly into my relationship with a Mr. Bob Platchorn, who has written a book called The Black Tuna Gang. He was the biggest marijuana smuggler in America, and I worked with him, amazingly, selling ice cream. There you go. That's another story for another time. Yes, we're teasing the next episode that you're going to be on already. But let's get back to the Cafe Carlisle story. I'm, I'm sorry I interrupted that. 
so I had been to the line before and the Asian woman was next to me and I noticed that she was dressed more informally mm -hmm. than anybody else. She had jeans and everybody else was, was dressed up. It was Mother's Day brunch. Neither here nor there, but I noticed her. Yeah. So I struck up a conversation with her and I said, it's wonderful, but amazingly, and here was the interesting part of the buffet, caviar and lobster and all this high-end stuff and right in the middle of it, a terrine of tater tots. <laughs> Completely out of character. More interestingly, wow. the tater tots were awful. They were bad tater tots. It's hard to do bad tater tots. They did. Everything else on the buffet was expensive and exquisite, and the tater tots sucked. <laughs> so I brought that up. I said, don't get the tater tots. They stink. And she giggled and she turned to this very short elderly gentleman behind her and she started to tell him about the tater tots. This guy told me that the tater tots stink. He had a stone face and just nodded. And I looked at him and I said, he looks just like, and it was Woody Allen and that was soon ye that I was talking to about the tater tots. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. So, so I froze. Mm -hmm. I stared. I couldn't eat. I wasn't going to get the tater tots, but I couldn't do a thing. Mm -hmm. But I continued on down the buffet line and established a, uh, a kind of uh, strategy. I said, all right. I will glance over and look at him as you do with other people, even though you're not personally acquainted with in a social situation. Maybe our eyes will meet. Maybe he will smile at me. Maybe I will smile back and then I'll drop to my knees <laughs> and start to say, Oh my God. Oh my God. But I'm going to be cool up until that point. So it's a nice long buffet and I'm taking things and Sunni and I are exchanging pleasantries and I keep, since I'm looking at her, I'm also looking at him. But Bob, and I know something of this ploy. He is looking down and avoiding eye contact with every single other person in this place because he knows that is the first step to interpersonal contact, which I am sure he does not desire in the least. Right. Kept looking over. It, Nothing. We end the buffet. I observe where they're going. It's a table close to the buffet as my family is. And I say, well, he's definitely taking his mother out because at his table was a very elderly woman with Woody Allen's face. Hmm. The same face, <laughs> only long hair. Wow. So I didn't embarrass myself. I go to my table, Bob, have you ever said something to a bunch of people and right in the middle of the sentence, you realize this is the completely wrong thing to say, but I can't stop the sentence. I do, I do that every damn day, Ed. All right. And this was a sentence. And I said, don't turn around. Ugh. So now they're all like lighthouses. My mother stands up because she was ready to see somebody famous. Anyway, it's the Cafe Carlisle. Yeah. And I said, all right, don't turn around. I mean, don't turn around. But at that table over there 
are Woody Allen and Sunni. And of course, they're all staring. And my mother, loud enough for everybody to hear, says to me, did he recognize you? <laughs> I was going to say, did he say, aren't you the horsehair guy from TV? He lay eight to five. He doesn't own a television set. <laughs> <laughs> and if he does, he don't watch the learning channel. <laughs> oh, my God. So what the hell is he doing there? Why was he there? Do you know? Took his mom out to Mother's Day brunch? I guess so. That's the end of it. I didn't get anything else. <laughs> All right. There you go. That's a great fucking story. Holy shit. If you want an ancillary story about a fan we did have, which I found out about too late, I will tell you that in uh, 2004 or five, Joe and I got a letter. Remember letters? Oh, I do. Um, we, uh, 2001, we got a letter <laughs> from Stanley Kubrick's assistant. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, what now, did, that, what did it say? all the film directors whose movies we had parodied, we had uh, parodied more Stanley Kubrick's than anybody. Yeah. And, of course, we talk about him. He, he, guy made 14 pictures, but gee whiz. On the other hand, Leone only made six or uh, only made seven. Right. So you know, you know, you don't have to be uh, Woody Allen. That's right. Uh, we got it. We got a letter saying Stanley was a fan. We used to watch the show, and he used to ask me, "I wonder if they really, if it's really that easy, and they know what they're doing." That's incredible. Uh, 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 the biggest. Uh, uh, tonnage of mixed feelings in my life <laughs> waved over me first a hero a god yeah. liked my program and at the same time he was dead and i couldn't call him and ask him for a job okay so you got the letter after stanley kubrick was dead but the assistant yeah. wanted you to know that even though he is dead when he was alive he used to watch the show and love the show that's right. So you got a letter from uh, Stanley Kubrick beyond the grave. It was like one of those things that may have been in as well. Okay, make sure we leave X and Y to my daughter and her family. And also make sure to write a letter to Ed and Joe and let them know I love their show. <laughs> That's so awesome. He probably said that on his deathbed. <laughs> That's right. That's what we all would like to think, wouldn't we? I mean, that would be the best. I mean, of all people, Stanley Kubrick... I mean, yeah, I literally the last person you would think would be at all entertained by anything outside of his own world. But one of the most entertaining things I've ever seen were, and you can still find this on the internet, you can still find Stanley Kubrick's instructions for taking care of his cats while he's away. Yes, and, I, yes. 38 pages. Yes, so endlessly entertaining, especially his technique for breaking up a cat fight where you if you see the cats fighting you run into the room and start shouting and waving a t-shirt in the air and that will <laughs> disperse the cats from fighting these are actual stanley kubrick instructions for taking care of his cats oh man uh, people have been uh, uh, posthumously uh, psychoanalyzing stanley kubrick since he died but it's very simple <laughs> that's right the man was a chess master mm -hmm. uh, literally a chess master now yeah. i played a lot of chess in my time and at one point I was very, very good. I don't think I was a master, although I played against masters. Yeah. And if anybody knows chess, or more importantly, if anybody knows one of these crazy chess nerds, you know they think ahead by dozens 
of moves. Yeah. More moves than you could imagine. And the crazy metaphor is when I was a teenager, I used to play chess eight to 10 hours a day. And it made me crazy. And eventually I could not look at anything else, any grouping of people on television or live without imagining them chess pieces and how they would move if they would be various pieces on the board. And I likened it to the point where Dave um, finally reaches the monolith Mm-hmm. Uh, um, on Jupiter, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. And he looks into it and he says, oh my God, it's full of stars. He's finally glimpsing infinity. When one gets deeply into chess, it's the only experience I've had that I could compare to gazing into infinity. Because mm-hmm. when you're getting good at chess, you're getting good at chess. When you are really good at chess, is when you realize how much you do not know hmm. how bad you are at chess. And, uh, and the flashpoint of that is when you see into the abyss and see infinity and say, if I, I, I would, I must go mad if I enter that realm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so I didn't, and I just got to be, but, uh, the incredible part of that is knowing why Stanley was the way he was. All right, we'll get back to our conversation with Ed Feldman here in just one second. But first, now more than ever, we're all thinking about our hygiene, or most of us are. We're washing our hands, sneezing into our arms, not touching our face, all that crap. But what about your cell phone? It's a huge carrier of germs. Phones are a vector for disease, and we rarely ever clean them. I know I don't clean mine. We're constantly touching our phones with our hands and even pressing them to our face. Yeah. It's time to take cleaning your phone seriously. The Clean Phone Pro Sanitizer uses medically proven UV light technology to kill 99.99% of all bacteria that comes in contact with your phone. Better than wipes and safe for your device, the Clean Phone Pro gets every inch of your phone clean with nine high-power UVC lights. There's a dedicated wireless charging pad on top of the chamber. You can be sanitizing your other items while wirelessly charging your phone or just use the Clean Phone Pro as your go-to charging station anytime you want. A fully removable top means easier fit for more items and larger items. Go to thecleanphone.com today and get one for just $89 in free shipping when you use the code SEXYLIBERAL, all one word. If you're serious about hygiene, it's time to get serious about cleaning your phone. Go to thecleanphone.com and keep your phone truly clean. Remember to use the code SEXYLIBERAL for two-day free shipping. And guess what? It's going to ship immediately. No long waits. That's thecleanphone.com, thecleanphone.com. We are so excited to welcome a new sponsor to The Stephanie Miller Show, Literati, America's number one subscription book club for kids. Who did I send them to? Your ex. My beautiful ex and her (laughs) newborn. And she wrote to me and said, hi, Scoot. Look what came today. Baby books from Literati. Cutest delivery ever with personal tags in each book showing they belong to Alex. Her her baby, Alexandra. so cool. So cute. Thank you again for sharing this incredible book club with us. Alex says hi. Look, this book belongs to Alexandra. Mm -hmm. There's their kitty guarding all the books. Um, It is a fantastic thing, especially for parents in quarantine. To get it, go to literati.com 
L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I dot com slash Stephanie for 25% off your first two subscriptions. Literati dot com slash Stephanie. Curated selection. Only keep your favorites. Send the rest back for free. Every parent I know loves Literati. Go to Literati dot com slash Stephanie now for 25% off your first two subscriptions. Literati dot com slash Stephanie. Terms and conditions apply. The Bob Seska Show. Do you think your interest in chess has continued to resonate in terms of how you analyze uh, specifically politics? Because you do have kind of a long view, uh, both backwards and forwards in terms of mm-hmm. looking looking back at history and looking ahead to what's next. So it seems to me as if that's a lost art. Uh, people really don't think that way. And it's maybe partly because cable news and the internet is more about the immediate shiny object and not necessarily about putting that shiny object in context. So um, when you're looking at a particular news story, as Trump turns up and he decides, oh, I don't like that Asian-looking reporter. I'm going to just storm <laughs> off like I'm on a reality show, like I'm one of the, the uh, Beverly Hills housewives or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, When you see something like that, are, do you automatically go to what's next after that, what happens after that? How does that continue to progress into something that might be awful down the road? Uh, is that uh, kind of how you're looking at things? Well, I got a gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's study and there's intelligence and there's cognition, but then there's things you're born. Uh, all that is learned, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but memory is a gift. Yeah. You either got a good one or a bad one. I got a great one. Yeah. I will run the board on Jeopardy. Why? Because I knew all this stuff for over years, but the important part is I never forgot it. And that's just something I was born with. I don't work at it. It's just there. Apparently, a lot of other people don't have that, even to the point of not remembering Dick Cheney (laughs) and that he murdered more people than Donald Trump did, even if this goes to 150 Corona dead. Mm -hmm. Dick Cheney murdered a half a million people. So his company... His ex-company, Halliburton, could make $40 billion off the reconstruction of a country that he destroyed based on a lie. Now, I don't know how many people remember that, but that just happened, yo. Yep. Yep. That just happened. And when people say the world will be forever changed with Corona, and I say, wait a minute, Uh, uh, 9-11, AIDS. Uh, polio. Yeah, the world changed, but we don't think about it really. And we don't dwell on it anymore. And this will be forgotten too. We'll get the vaccine and that'll be that. The only thing is that, you know, I I hope it helps uh, hasten the removal of the orangutan. (laughs) That's right. Memory is is what you must have. I mean, people... uh, Look, n- nobody's going to say anything about bad about Trump that I'm not going to agree with, but he's no more evil than Dick Cheney. And Dick Cheney was a hell of a lot better at it. How much has Trump made? Well, he I mean, hasn't made $40 billion. If he's made $100 million, I'd be surprised. The difference, I think, between someone like Donald Trump and someone like Dick Cheney, or specifically Trump and Dick Cheney, comparing the two of them. While Mm -hmm. Cheney might have a greater death toll behind him and greater level of cynicism maybe than Trump does, although Trump is pretty cynical, 
it seems to me as if at least Dick Cheney, to an extent, was uh, somewhat respectful of the of the discourse, whereas Donald Trump doesn't give a shit about anything except himself. So therefore, he's willing to just tear down the system while he's also profiting off of it. There's an extra layer with Trump that wasn't necessarily there with Dick Cheney, even though they are neck and neck when it comes to a, a death toll. Another way to look at it is Dick Cheney, tried or did everything that Trump is doing. He just was better at it. Mm. Therefore, we didn't learn about it by tweet. Yeah. He yeah. just kept his own counsel while he uh, waterboarded and did all the other things he did. And I'm sure lined his pocket because how did that daughter of his <laughs> get bankrolled? Come on now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Isn't that great? You know, what does she represent? Wyoming, right? Yep. Um, she's, I mean, whether you're the maybe only uh, House of Representatives, a member of Wyoming or one of their senators, because nobody lives there, you probably got a fraction of the votes of, uh, say, an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Mm-hmm. There are more people live in uh, live in uh, uh, Rigo Park than live in all of Wyoming. <laughs> That's right. That's so why. If you, <laughs> yeah. If you want to, if you want to grade democracy, uh, Lynn Cheney should be, I don't know, city council person. Let's talk about memory and the people you refer to as bunker Bernies. They don't seem to, at least at this point, they don't seem to remember the last four years. We want to talk about memory. This is a huge memory lapse. They don't see the damage of the Trump crisis up to this point. And they also don't see beyond the potential of Donald Trump being reelected. Imagine Donald Trump. I mean, we've seen him operate for the last four years as president. Imagine Donald Trump now without any accountability whatsoever. Obviously, no 25th Amendment, no impeachment. We're not going to have the votes in the Senate to, to remove him, even if the Democrats win back the Senate. But then imagine Donald Trump without even having to worry about an election. Imagine the horrendousness that he's going to be responsible for without even that weighing on him, without even that level of accountability. Well, he, he, he's not getting better at administrating his evil. Yeah. That's the good part. Again, if you want to compare him to a, a technocrat, uh, an expert uh, at administration like a Cheney. Yeah. Um, and, and this, of course, is Donald Trump's uh, uh, greater, best attribute to my way of thinking. He wants all the worst things to happen. Yeah. But he has no idea how to make them happen. Plus, he's so goddamn lazy. Uh, he Imagine if he was industrious and intelligent and a wonderful administrator and everybody did exactly what he said mm -hmm. rather than leaving the room and saying, I can't do that. And he'll forget about that. He told me to do that. Yeah. Uh, imagine if all those things were reversed and he was a great administrator. It would be much, much worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, look, he might have been, actually been able to nuke a hurricane by now <laughs> if he really stuck to it. Yeah, absolutely. But either they hope that he forgets about it. He forgets about it. 
So what are we reduced to? You know, extra Sharpie lines or uh, him say, look, every day he says things that you know will not happen. Mm-hmm. When he says the states should uh, uh, remove the unemployment benefits from people refusing to go back to work. Well, what's going to happen? The states is the key clause in that uh, phrase in that in that sentence. The the blue states, the democratically administered states, are not going to do that. They don't have to. They won't. The red states, the Georgias, might do that. What will that do? Make less people vote for him. So, yeah. uh, in a uh, in a draconian stance that I'm adopting, that would be. Um, Envy uh, that Draco would be envious of. Hmm. Uh, let the red states open up. Let the red states' death toll rise while the blue states quarantine and survive. Yeah. And while I know this is wishing for the death of people in a way, I will quote a very famous um, CIA agent saying, well, they were all bad. (laughs) Yeah, that's... uh, He was a real CIA agent. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, Again, going back to memory, Ed, uh, why the hell do you think uh, Trump and his red hat cult would want to make this election a referendum on Obama? I mean, don't they remember uh, the 2008 election where Obama got, I don't know, a gazillion electoral votes? I mean, Obama won Indiana in 2008. Barack Hussein Obama won deep red Indiana that year. And Donald Trump wants to make this a referendum on Obama. I mean, is that the dumbest possible thing that they could do? Or should we, you know, should we just shut up and let him do it? Is that is that the appropriate strategy? Yeah, yeah they're, they're flailing. And of course... It, the question is, is that the dumbest thing they can do? Mm-hmm. Well, Bob, you got to wake up tomorrow and find out. <laughs> he, he has nothing. He has nothing. You Look, if there's one thing he knows how to do, it's to read or be told something that has a number attached to it. So he goes after China for a week. They give him the polls. They still suck for him. So he goes after Obama. You'll mm-hmm. see the polls in a week. He'll see that doesn't work. He'll go back to Hunter Biden or he'll dream up something else. Yeah. He's throwing shit at a wall. And by the way, when I say shit, I do not mean Eric. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, Eric Trump, if, if everything goes well for Donald Trump in this election, Eric Trump isn't too far down the road uh, as a presidential possibility i mean that whole family what needs to happen is the entire family needs to be so badly humiliated by all of this that they want to change their name i mean some of the grand some of the trump grandchildren my god are they going to be living in a state of perpetual uh, i mean you talk about people like zuckerberg with shitty last names or, or tucker carlson you imagine having the last name trump after all of this is done man i'd be rushing to change my name as max von Sydow said to robert redford at the end of three days of the con or it would happen this way. Um, he'll lose. <laughs> yeah. He'll be dead. He'll be dead of heart disease 
within 10 years. That's generous. That's a generous, because I was thinking more like LBJ, because remember LBJ was out in uh, 60, after 68, and then LBJ, mm-hmm. wasn't he dead by 72? I mean, he was dead within four years of leaving office. Well, um, I got to believe he'll have enough lawyers left over to keep him out of jail till he dies. <laughs> but he'll be constantly hounded by, with one suit after another. Yeah. Class action suits, the stormy debt, everything. Yeah. And he'll just be hounded, even though they'll give him a shot on Fox, he'll be dead uh, within seven years. And the real, the will will reveal, big surprise, that there's not all that much money left. Yeah. <laughs> and here's what will happen to the kids and the family. First, uh, Melania will pull a Jackie. <laughs> she will take the young one go to Europe, marry some rich Euro trash <laughs> and, uh, and live on an Island or a yacht for the rest of her life. Like, oh, yeah. like Jack. Yeah. Yeah. That's her plan. And of mm. course she's always been for sale. So, you know, that that deal will close within six months to a year. Uh, the daughter, uh, Ivanka, Ivanka right? yeah. right. she'll do great. She will be the Bundist Gwyneth Paltrow. She will do a whole uh, a goop corporation, gloop corporation yes. for the right wing. <laughs> and they will love her. And she will make tons of, she'll have a talk show. She will break away. She won't even need Fox. They'll give her something like they gave Megan Kelly, only she'll be better. <laughs> See, this is, I'm. The sons, the sons will burn through the money. In five years, <laughs> uh, uh, Donnie Jr. will try everything. Fox News show, that'll be awful. He'll try and be a Hollywood producer. He'll lose the rest of the money, and he'll fade from sight. Uh, the other one will probably, I'm guessing, will probably shoot himself by accident on a show about hunting on RT. <laughs> Yes, and I know which one you're talking about, too. Oh, man. You know what this is like, Ed? This is so great. This is so therapeutic because you know what it's like? It's like uh, the montage at the end of like an 80s teen movie where we find out what happens to all of them. Like uh, Jeff Spicoli went on to lose all of his fortune by paying Van Halen to play at his birthday party. It would fit right in there as the perfect uh, (laughs) epilogue. You know, the ore of that, Bob, the ore of that is... Senator and Mrs. Blutarski. (laughs) (laughs) That's where that started. (laughs) Oh, my God. Hey, let me ask you this. Do you think Trump was genuinely afraid of those women reporters the other day, or did he storm off as like a domination gambit? What was your your take on that one? Well, they they finally started to play back. Yeah, no shit. He's always... uh, I don't know why this hasn't happened. I know. And they ask a question... He doesn't answer it. He calls on somebody else. But yesterday, this happened a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago. But now I think they got to constantly do this. He asked a question. She asked a question. He didn't answer it. He went on to somebody else. And that other person, also a woman, deferred back to the first woman as in no. Finish with her. I won't ask you my question. I will not give you cover for ignoring the last question. Mm-hmm. And when she didn't ask, he started to go to the back to Yanish from PBS. She wasn't going to give him shit. 
and she stayed quiet. So it was no answer. The woman who was saying, why are you saying ask the Chinese to me, an Asian American? And that was the question that would not be superseded by any other reporter acknowledging his subsequent question, subsequent question. And that when he realized he wouldn't be able to get cover, no one else would take his question. That's when he realized the game is over. And, um, I hope fervently that that's the motif that all the white house news for news press corps will follow. I am not, going to answer a subsequent question until you respond properly to the previous one. Exactly. Uh, His only way out of that is just to go to constantly ask Fox and OAN and I don't know who else. I think that's it. (laughs) It's OAN. (laughs) It's OAN. They've got their asymmetry. They can keep throwing it right back in his ugly face. We'll see. Why do you think people are so afraid of Donald Trump? Why, do you, Especially other Republicans, congressional Republicans, people on his staff. Because I always expect after one of these officials from the White House or whoever else ends up getting uh, fired or has you know, forced to resign, I, don't, I wonder mm-hmm. why they don't just turn up at a microphone outside the White House or outside whatever federal building they're working in, just letting fly with everything they know about Trump. I mean, why are why are they so afraid of him? Well, we all see that he's a coward. Yeah. I mean, it's well documented, but sometimes all it takes for it doesn't take anything for a bully to be successful except your acceptance of him as, uh, you know, a stronger and, and the boss mm-hmm. people either want uh, a job in the white house and they'll do anything to keep it, or they want, uh, Trump's endorsement, uh, or certainly they do not want Trump to run somebody else against them in the primary. Yeah. These are, these are simple things, but of course, if they all, well, during the MP, the recent impeachment, I guess they've been conditioned so long by his bullying that they never came to the simple uh, conclusion that all we have to do is vote for him to be impeached and he will never be able to threaten us again. Mm-hmm. They never, they never had that thought. Yeah. They, they had, they had him. He didn't have them. If they threw him out, what could he do then? He couldn't fire them anymore. They would have just fired him. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have been able to run anybody else against them in the Republican primary. Nobody would listen to him, and he'd have no party funds yeah. uh, to oversee. But by then, the psychological con- the conditioning was done. Mm-hmm. The bell was rung again. But there was no food in the bowl. But it didn't matter. They kept on slobbering. No. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I brought up Pavlov. (laughs) Right. I mean, why do you think... uh... Manager Freud, now Pavlov. We're going back in time. (laughs) There you go. That's right. It's the uh, chess experience you're remembering. Uh... I got to tell you a great picture of Pavlov. He's standing there with a bunch with a uh, bunch of cricket bats over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. And I, 
my my uh, partner at the time, we both saw this picture together. I said, oh, why do you think he's got all those cricket bats? And she said, well, first you have to get their attention. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I never forget. Every time someone brings up Pavlov, I think back to abnormal psychology in college. And there was one study. Mm. I love reading about shit like this because it's so creepy and weird. But there's this one study where they were examining conditioning in children. And what they did is they, they would take a baby who wasn't even walking, they were just crawling. And every time the baby would cry, one of the scientists would take like pots and pans and just slam them together, make the loudest noise they could possibly make with the pots and pans until the baby stopped crying. And those babies today are all members of the National Security Council. <laughs> um, Ed, I got to let you go, but what's going on oh. with the uh, old furniture guys? Is that over? Or do you guys plan to make more when the, when the play is We're going to make some more. Great. We're talking about it now. Uh, we're trolling the field to see if anybody likes them. A lot of people like them, but none of them have any money. Mm-hmm. Um, but we raised the money before to make these things and you can see them. Boy, the first plug at the end of our time together. Well, how big an <laughs> asshole am I? <laughs> I'm the host. I should have done it at the beginning. Furnitureguys.tv, a wonderful website uh, overseen by the beauteous Ms. Susan Mangan, who is available for a website and graphic design. And, you know, the more money she makes, the better a birthday present she gives me. Um, <laughs> and uh, on the furnitureguys.tv, you can not only communicate with us by asking us questions, you can see all of our old programs. You can see the ones we made just a couple of years ago. You can see tons of content. It's all free because I can't figure out how to make anybody pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the secret, and isn't it? Just go there. It's a great clubhouse, and you can see literally maybe a hundred shows. I don't know. There are dozens and dozens of programming. So whether you want to laugh and uh, see us do our great film parodies like uh, Gone with the Windsor or a Full Metal Tax Strip, <laughs> where I say, I live in a world of shellac. <laughs> or... Or, God forbid, you want to learn how to do something like refinish a table mm-hmm. or strip or uh, upholster, uh, you can find uh, you can find our, our, our films on how to do that. And, you know, if I if I just want to say something about how to we had a how to show that was unlike any other for two reasons. One, we were funny. Mm-hmm. And if we aren't, fuck you. Um <laughs> And we actually took everything step by step. I see other people try and teach people stuff. There's so many cuts and they say, and now it's done. And you say, but how (laughs) we actually took you step by step. And when people say, well, comedy and how to, I said, no, no, no. This was a calculation. When you're sanding a tabletop, how many times are you going to be able to tell people how to rub your hand back and forth and fold a piece of paper? <laughs> it's a lot of nothing. Yeah. So we explain step by step. And then while we're doing this repetitive, boring procedure, we tell a joke, we discuss an event. And that's why we did it. Yeah. Um, it's not because we didn't really want to have a how-to show. We wanted to have a comedy show, except that's exactly what 
truth was, but they gave us a how-to show, so we figured it out. Thank you so much, my friend. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Everybody, vote by mail, damn it! Yeah, do it, do it. Especially if you're in Pennsylvania, you still have time to get a vote by mail ballot uh, for the primary. So make sure to do it. I got my ballot right here. I'm voting for Dewey. There you go. <laughs> Good job. Good way to way to stay on top of things, Ed. <laughs> okay. All right. See you, Bob. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.